So we've looked this morning a bit about expectations, a bit about what people thought the Messiah would look like. And now we're going to look a bit about uh, what he actually came and how those expectations were a little different um, from how they thought it would be. We've got the uh, slides. So one passage in, in the New Testament which talks a bit about the Messiah is in uh, chapter 1 of First Peter which we will have up on the screen. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So what will the Messiah be like? How can the Messiah be a humble suffering servant and also God's great conquering king? When will he come? How will we know it is him? These aren't questions we have to ask anymore. Jesus has come, God's appointed king, his Messiah. And so this morning we want to look at a few ways in which some of those expectations were different to what we thought they might have been. And we've already looked at this passage from Zechariah this morning, this Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As Jesus came into Jerusalem a week before his crucifixion, people cut down palm branches, they took off their cloaks, they threw them on the ground and as Jesus rode in on this colt, they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What were they thinking? What led them, the great crowds of people going before Jesus and with him, to act like this? Well, they thought Jesus was their king. They were declaring him as the Messiah to come, as the king they had expected. But I think their expectations were dampened when instead of turning to the Roman barracks as he came into Jerusalem to trash the joint, Jesus turned towards the temple. And you see, when we talk about the, the enemies of Israel, the Egyptians, the Philistines, the Babylonians, then the Romans, these were never Israel's greatest enemies. These were never Israel's deepest times of slavery. You see, Israel's greatest enemy... The greatest slavery was to sin and death and it's the same slavery that we have. It's our greatest enemy. And so Jesus comes with deliverance. He comes on the colt as king, bringing deliverance. He doesn't turn to the barracks, he turns to the temple. The true problem is spiritual. And so Jesus defeats sin and death as Messiah but not in the way we'd expect. When he dies... Jesus deals with a penalty of sin that we deserved. 
When he rises from the dead, Jesus deals with the power of sin. He enables us to live a new life, not governed by the power of sin over our lives. And when Jesus comes in his second coming as Messiah, he'll deal with the presence of sin, the very presence so that we will have no experience at all of sin anymore. So Jesus came to save is the first area of his role as Messiah, but his deliverance looked different to what the expectations were. The second thing that would have blown an Old Testament person's mind when they thought about the Messiah, they would struggle to think that their king would die. This, this Messiah, this eternal king, this great king, conquering king, that he would suffer and die. And so that's why they created this divide of there must be two Messiahs, the Messiah son of David and the Messiah son of Joseph, the suffering servant and the conquering Messiah. But this passage up on the screen from Psalm 16, it's one of the most powerful passages in the Old Testament that talks about the resurrection of the Messiah. And David says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful one see decay. And who was David talking about when he talks about this faithful one? David knew that God had promised him to have a king on the throne forever and so he says here, I always keep my eyes on the Lord. I'm not afraid about my my future. I will not be shaken because God has promised me this eternal eternal kingship that will come in my line. But when he says, normal you let your faithful one see decay, he's not talking about himself. David died, was buried and turned to dust. He decayed. But God, through the Spirit, had given David this picture of the coming Messiah and his resurrection. And Peter picks this up when he preaches He's uh, got a largely Jewish audience in Acts chapter 2. He preaches about how God has raised Jesus from the dead. 3,000 people, mainly Jewish um, people, become believers in Christ. So this expectation of the suffering Messiah lining up with the conquering deliverer was something that prophets, angels, many looked into and couldn't see how God could bring it to pass. We see David here. Um, giving this great prophecy that God will not let his faithful one, the Messiah, see decay, but will raise him up. And finally this morning, if we look through the Old Testament prophecies, we don't have to be too um, diligent as as a Bible student to see that there's just so many prophecies that haven't yet been fulfilled. So if Jesus was the Messiah... How come there's still things that haven't happened? How come the whole world hasn't recognised God as the, as the true God and all nations um, worshipped God? Why hasn't um, the true worship of God been established for the whole world? Well, Jesus will come again. The Messiah, not just coming once, but twice. And that's a... a, a great way that maybe the Old Testament expectation of Messiah, instead of two separate Messiahs, one Messiah in two comings. In his first coming, Jesus was the humble servant who bore our sin 
in, on the cross and took our suffering upon him. But in his second coming, the Lamb of God, who is also the Lion from the tribe of Judah, will come with perfect justice. He will come with great power. He will avenge all those who have done wrong. He will restore all wrongs, make all things right and allow us to worship God as God intended. But for now we wait and the Messiah will come again to rescue all those um, who love him, who follow him and to restore all things. So we've looked at three ways which maybe the Messiah, the expectation of Messiah um, panned out in terms of the reality. We looked at the Messiah came to save but not the physical deliverance of sword and bow and arrow but the greater spiritual deliverance to save us from sin, to save us from the the guilt of sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin in our lives and and ultimately from the presence in his second coming. We've looked at his resurrection from the dead which demonstrated him with great power to be the son of God, his victory over sin and death, the greatest victory that's ever been achieved. And finally we've seen that he'll come again. We may, may not be this Christmas, may not be by next Christmas but the Messiah will return and he will fulfil everything that the scriptures say about him. That's all. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for Christmas time, the great reminder it is of the baby Jesus who came, who shed his great power and um, divine authority to become a human baby. While still perfectly God, he took on all the weaknesses of human kind. And Lord, we thank you for him. We thank you for him in his role as our Messiah, your anointed one, your King of Kings, your great deliverer. And Lord, we realise that we need his deliverance this morning. We struggle with sin. We struggle in our rebellion against you, Lord. We find it hard to do the things that you want us to do. We find it hard to not be selfish. We find it hard to take ourselves off the throne. And we thank you that Jesus came to deliver us, not from physical enemies that come and go, but from the greatest enemy, sin. Thank you that in his death, his resurrection, and ultimately when he comes again, we can be free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin and the presence of sin. We praise you for raising him from the dead, demonstrating that he had paid the price for sin. And we praise you that he will come again, Lord. We trust you, we believe in you, that he will return. And we long for that day when he will restore all things and bring in true and perfect justice. And we give you great praise in the the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Amen.